Well, hey, Anthem, uh, Bert here. I hope your week is going well so far. Uh, if you were with us on Sunday, you know we kicked off our next season of Alpha with Alpha Sunday. And Alpha Sunday really is all about unpacking and understanding Jesus's heartbeat for the lost, those that do not yet know him, uh, what our heartbeat is towards the lost around us, and how we're engaging the lost uh, around us. And uniquely, we do that together as a church through Alpha. There are so many amazing ways uh, through individuals and through community groups uh, that people in our church are, are, uh, are on mission, incarnational, and encountering the lost all around them. But what we do together as a church, an entire church family, is a few times a year we huddle and rally around Alpha. And so we took the entire Sunday to really unpack that. And uh, what we, we what I found very quickly is there were just lots of things that uh, we maybe moved really quickly by or um, didn't have enough time to unpack or even whole sections that just because of time we cut out. And so I actually wanted to come and do just a few uh, bonus podcast episodes really unpacking uh, some of the why behind Alpha, some of the what and how we're going to be doing it, and then particularly how you can be involved. And so... If you are um, looking for, uh, like from scripture, a biblical heartbeat for the lost, like a biblical mandate to be pursuing and, and running after and making space to have conversation with those who are far from God, I'll direct you back to the podcast from Sunday, the teaching from Sunday. Uh, but today what I want to do is I want to dive a little bit deeper in this episode here for why we would bother with something like Alpha and why um, this idea or practice of evangelism, which may seem like a scary word, uh, evangelism has so much opposition in our time and our place, uh, particularly around Christians. And so what I want to start with today, and just these few minutes that unpacking why we would bother with Alpha and what some of the opposition is, um, I want to start with just the baseline assumption that the culture around us is evangelistic in nature. Evangelism is not strictly a Christian word, much like the word disciple is not an exclusively Christian word. Evangelism is just simply trying to communicate something that you see as good or good news to somebody else. So you find some particular product on Amazon you really like and you write up a review saying this scrub, uh, this uh, sponge, this particular soap, this broom, whatever has been amazing, it's changed my life, whatever it is, that's evangelism. Evangelism is simply experiencing something good that has changed you somehow and telling others about it. Now, obviously, in, in the Christian worldview and lens, evangelism is, is directed around the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel that God has created you, he's loved you, sin has separated us from God, but God in his overwhelming love and passion for you and for me and all humanity and creation sent his son Jesus Christ as the perfect atonement to live a life perfectly, to die the death we deserve, to bring the life that God had intended for us through the person of Jesus. And now through him and his finished work, we can have life and access to God, not only here and now, but in the life to come. 
come. And so as we think about evangelism in the church, that's what we're getting at. We're, we're trying to tell people about the greatest thing that has ever happened to you or to me, and that's Jesus has met us. Jesus, we've encountered Jesus. He has saved us. He's rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into his kingdom. And now, because we are growing to become like him, we are on his same rescue mission, telling others what Jesus has done for us in the hopes that he might do that for them as well. So as we talk about evangelism, it is crucial to know that evangelism is not strictly a Christian thing. The culture around you is evangelizing you. The culture around you is evangelizing you and what you should wear, how you should vote, the things you should buy, the cars you should drive, what kind of house you should live in, how you should talk, how you should act, what you, the decisions you should make. Culture around you is evangelizing you. We are not starting from a neutral space. But also we face some opposition on evangelism because whatever we have seen go before us, maybe our previous experience in church or maybe what we've seen those in older generations going back decades or hundred years just doesn't work anymore. Uh, and we're maybe frustrated with it. Uh, we're maybe going like when we see those things happen today, we're maybe going like, ah, don't say that. I used to work uh, at a company before uh, kind of working on technology type things and, and there were a few other people who, who claimed to follow Jesus and, and it just felt like for so many opportunities that I had to talk about Jesus, uh, they just ended up being opportunities to clean up somebody else's mess. And so I would find myself in a spiritual conversation with somebody at this particular workplace and it kind of always started with this person saying, hey, you're, you're a Christian, right? So this other person who's a Christian said this, what do you make of that? And I just kind of go like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And, or I'll overhear a conversation they're having with somebody and I would just want to jump in and go like, no, 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 that's not the gospel. That's not how all Christians think. That's not what we're talking about here. And maybe you've had similar experiences as well. And so not only is culture evangelistic, but whatever's gone before is not working anymore. And it's not working anymore because culture is changing. Uh, the way people are perceiving the church is changing. Um, and not only our culture is changing, but the enemy is adapting and he is preventing people from seeing and knowing Christ. But our culture is changing as well. And our culture is changing and kind of one really unique area, we're moving kind of seismically as a society from a modern society to a postmodern society. And this is fueled by all sorts of things um, that we don't really have time to get into even now in this bonus podcast. But some of the markers of postmodernism in the Western world in particular, there's kind of three main ones. But one is, is the move from objective truth to self-opinion as the highest authority. So maybe in years past, decades, maybe even hundreds of years back, there was some sense of whether you liked the particular objective truth of whatever or not, there was some sense of submission to that objective truth. I don't like the speed limit, but it is good that we shouldn't drive more than 65 miles per hour on the freeway, so I will submit to that. And we are now in a space where self-opinion is the highest, and we say, well, that's good for you, but it's not good for me, or the rules that apply to all of society don't apply to me. This is a marker of postmodernism, which is closely linked from the second marker, which is the move from authority to autonomy. 
So before it was not uncommon that, uh, that authority structures in life were not only seen as normal and natural, but actually good to have someone over you who would provide some sort of lens or rule of life for which you can live into. We've now moved into ultimate autonomy. So rather than viewing others, leaders, elected officials, whatever, as appropriate versions of authority, we now go, yeah, they, they may have this particular job title, but what I think is best is the best. And the third marker of kind of postmodernism that we are uh, experiencing right now is the move from evidence to experience. And so we see this um, in all sorts of ways. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is the, um, the kind of uh, move in uh, media towards uh, not towards, but even just the idea of, of fake news in our media. Um, just the idea of kind of alternative facts and the idea that um, whether that's true or not doesn't matter. This is my experience. And so you can tell me that the sky is blue, but really I see green. And so that's what's important. And so this move from objective truth to self-opinion, from authority to autonomy and evidence to experience, all markers of the culture that we are currently living in. And that has trickle effects into the church um, because the church is evangelized by the culture around them. And we find, in, particularly in the book of Acts, that Paul kind of threads this line of being in culture but not of it, being in and amongst the people and uh, part of it and adapting certain things, methodologies, philosophies, philosophies in the church to meet and encounter culture, but also a, a close-handedness with the gospel and some of the core elements of Christianity. And some of the markers uh, of, of what, how we're seeing postmodernism infiltrate the church has created a time and a place where we are not only in a postmodern society, but a post-Christian society. And so if you think of cities maybe like New York, Los Angeles, Portland, um, San Francisco, that are maybe farther along, maybe even we uh, Western European cities, you know, London, Paris, Munich, uh, Berlin, whatever, those are maybe even farther down the road of post-Christendom. Um, but some of the markers of a post-Christian society of which we are now entering in Ventura is Christians have moved from the majority to the minority. And so uh, when we say that, I mean, kind of think of your idealized Americana from the 1950s, the nuclear family, uh, kind of the world wars are finished, America is thriving, everybody goes to church. Um, that's how many parts of the South still are today in America. And where there was a sense of majority um, of the people would claim some version of believing in God or the Christian God, Christians are now moving from the majority to the minority. It's one of the distinctives of a post-Christian city is that Christians, in, in the census that's taken every 10 years, are decreasing. And there's more people who are claiming other religions, atheism, or just no spirituality at all. So Christians are not only from majority to the minority in terms of population, but they're moving from the center of society, culture, leadership, government, community to the fringes. And so many Christians are thought of as, as bigoted, as closed-minded. They're now sort of in the same category as cults or in some cities, terrorists. 
and they have moved from the center of culture around to the fringes. We in America have experienced unprecedented level of privilege as Christians, and now we are getting a very small taste of what Christians in other countries or Christians in other times have had to experience. Christians are not only moved from the center to the fringe, but respected to disrespected and possibly hated. So Christians are now, uh, even if you didn't maybe agree with the Christian, you thought, well, at least they are morally good. Um, at least they kind of believe some right things or live in some right ways. And, and maybe I don't agree, but they seem kind of like an upstanding person. And so that's, that's laudable. And now Christians have moved from that to being disrespected and so uh, and possibly even hated. Uh, so now we're in the minority, we're on the fringe, uh, we are disrespected or even hated. Our opinion doesn't count, it doesn't matter, we're irrelevant. Uh, what we believe is, is awful because it has kind of awful implications or it has in the past. Fill in the gap, whatever. And uh, a key statistic around this marker of post-Christianity is now 45% of those under the age of 50 here in the U.S. claim to have no faith at all. 45%, almost half of those under the age of 50. So think kind of Gen Xers, Millennials, um, the, the Gen Z coming up, uh, claim to have no faith at all. Which means 55% claim to have some sort of faith, but that can include all sorts of different religions, including atheism. These are people who are just saying no spirituality, none at all. So this cultural opposition to evangelism is, is ripe. It is very thick. What, what has gone before is not working. Culture itself is evangelizing towards a different story. And as we are trying to engage the gospel, engage the city in the gospel, there are cultural oppositions that are in front of us. And we as Christians have to be aware of those things. Now, one of the reasons I bring all of that up in the context of why we would do Alpha is because we believe Alpha actually creates a different kind of environment to have Jesus conversations, a different kind of environment for people to explore faith, meaning, and life. We believe Alpha is the right tool for our time for three particular reasons, and they're reasons that kind of answer some of these cultural oppositions that we face today. And we believe Alpha is the right tool for the right for our time because it creates a gospel culture first. Right? A gospel culture is one where there is safety, where there can be vulnerability because there is uh, love and safety that has gone before, where there's like not a pressurized environment to get the right answer. That's not the gospel, that's legalism. And Alpha creates a context where there's no judgment, no pressure for those who are exploring. We're not expecting them to meet this high bar. We're not expecting them to answer all the right questions on the checklist. That's legalism. That's not gospel. And so Alpha actually creates a gospel culture in the hangout time, in the food time, in the small group time. Each person is valued as a human being and given an opportunity to ask and share anything. But not only do they ask and share anything, but from everyone else in the group, particularly the small group hosts and helpers, there is active listening. Meaning people are not just listening so they can be ready to talk next. People are not listening for the right or wrong thing so they can come and correct it, but people are genuinely engaged and listening to the end goal of hearing what they have to say, not just providing a retort or a response. 
but it's also gospel culture because we invite the Holy Spirit into those moments. We know it's not our job to save, it's the Holy Spirit's job, but we partner with the Holy Spirit in his saving work somehow, and some of that is just us setting the table for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And so we are Spirit-led, and so Alpha is the right tool for our time because it creates a gospel culture of safety, of active listening, and a con- and a, an environment for the Holy Spirit to work. But Alpha is also the right tool for our time because it is a gospel journey. It's non-linear, it is self-discovery, it's non-pushy, it encourages people to explore, to ask hard questions, to discover, and to experience right? So evidence alone is not enough. We can't just point to the risen Jesus and the evidence thereof and say, see, believe. We can do that, and that may be helpful for some people. What is more helpful is an experience, experientially encountering Jesus. And that's not always a clean-cut, linear journey. Sometimes it's all over the place. It's wacky. There's self-discovery. There's bumps along the way, and that's what we try to tee up and curate and cultivate at Alpha. So Alpha is the right tool for our time because it is a gospel culture, a gospel journey, and finally a gospel experience. And that gospel experience is marked by three W's. First is words. We do present the gospel, but we do not do it in the small groups. That's what happens in the films. The films, well done, uh, and are produced and are designed to really inspire some conversation. They're also designed to present different aspects of the gospel. Like, who is Jesus? How do I pray? What is faith? How does God guide us? How do I resist evil? These are all pieces of the gospel that, ha- that get presented through the films. So it's a gospel experience through words and through works, through love, respect, and hospitality through listening, active listening, genuinely caring and valuing people for being people, and through the friendship that gets developed. These are all happening over the weeks of Alpha. That's why every small group stays the same, is we actually hope friendships come out of Alpha. We hope there are coffees and lunches and beers to be had after Alpha or during the week because friendships are being formed at Alpha. And finally, we have a gospel experience in words, works, and wonders. We anticipate and expect the Holy Spirit to do supernatural and miraculous things, not only in our lives, those who already know Jesus, but in the lives of those who do not yet believe in Jesus. Maybe they get healed. Maybe they have a prayer answered. Maybe they have some divine intervention that sort of goes beyond understanding, goes beyond reason, logic, or evidence. And they say, I don't know what that was, but I think that was God. And so we believe there's gospel experience to be had. So we believe Alpha is the right tool for our time because it creates a gospel culture, journey, and experience for people. Our prayer is to create um, a space where people can honestly answer, who do you think Jesus is? And does that mean or matter for you at all? And so really, as we think about why we would do Alpha, it's because we have to recognize that whatever that has gone before to tell people about Jesus is simply not working anymore in our city. 
And our culture is evangelizing. Our culture is missional. Our culture is discipling people into a certain way of living. And so if we are to engage people in these conversations, we not only have to realize those things, but meet people where they are at to create a gospel culture journey and experience, all leading up to just opportunities for people to think, process, say anything, and ask, who do I think Jesus is? And does that matter for my life? Okay, I'm going to stop now. I hope this was helpful for you as you are processing through Alpha. In the next couple of bonus podcasts here, uh, we're going to do a little bit more unpacking of how we're approaching Alpha um, and how you can be involved. And so stay tuned for the next one, but I hope this background of why and culture helps you engage and think about the lost that are in your life and your proximity. We'll see you on the next one.